Welcome to the Jabadoo Education Podcast, episode 21. And once I became open to suggestions on how I could become a better teacher, even though I had a reputation for being a solid teacher, it was a big eureka moment and a very positive experience for me. You're listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. I'm your host, John Ruths, and I'm going to introduce you to some of the leading professionals in the fields of education, psychology, and leadership to bring you the most relevant and up-to-date tips, tricks, and tools for you to use in your classroom. Welcome to Jabadoo. Hey, what's going on, teachers and educators? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. On today's episode, I sit down with James Sturdivant, uh, who is a, a veteran teacher and now an author and college professor. Uh, and you'll hear it very early on, but I had an absolute blast chatting with him because um, I think we just kind of have similar mindsets uh, in terms of you know how we, uh, how we approach education in the education world. But um, today we cover some of the highlights of his teaching career, uh, what brought him to write and publish his first book, and then we dove into uh, some of the highlights of his newest book titled Teaching in Magenta, 100 Paths to Joy and Well-Being for You and Your Students. Uh, and my copy of his book is on its way right now. And I am actually really excited to dive into it because um, as he shares with us today, uh, he breaks everything down into really bite-sized consumable pieces. Um, every few pages is a new idea on how to inspire your uh, students, uh, improve your craft, create better relationships, uh, etc. And um, he's got a few other books out as well, um, which we do talk about on this episode. So if you like what you hear, uh, go check out his other books. And I have actually now set up an affiliate program with Amazon. So uh, if you want to support the show and you want to get his book, (laughs) uh, go check out the link on the show notes page for this episode. um, Because if you click on the links to those books, the magic of the internet <laughs> tracks your purchase back to uh, this show and you get to feel good about um, purchasing one of his books and also supporting this show. So um, those links are on our show notes page, which can be found at jabadoo.com slash show 21. That's J-A-B-B-E-D-U.com slash show with the number 21. Um, and there you will find all the links to all of his books and any of the other books that we talk about. Plus, a link to our Facebook group, which we would love for you to join, Um, an opportunity to opt into our email newsletter, which we would love to have you on, and uh, a bunch of other good stuff on there. So again, go check that out. Show notes page, jabadoo.com slash show 21. All right, let's get into my conversation with James Sturdivant. Today, we have on the Jabadoo Education Podcast, James Sturdivant, uh, a four-time author and a public school servant, uh, been in education for a couple of decades, uh, and ha- is now transitioning into life of uh, prof- pr- professorship, if that's a word. <laughs> my, my official title is I'm an adjunct lecturer, which, which adjunct. sounds, that sounds a lot more prestigious than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's worthy of the title. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So anyway, well, yeah, uh, James, thanks for joining us today on Jabadoo Education Podcast. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. It, it's just a drop-dead gorgeous day here in central Ohio. It's uh, October, and everything's getting pretty colorful out there. Yeah. Temperatures are cooling off. I'm sure Philly's the same way. It's, it's just a wonderful time of year. Yeah, it really I would say, 
my my favorite seasons actually go in reverse of what most people's do because I'm a winter guy. I love the snow. I love the cold weather. Well, that's your heart. And then, <laughs> I'm living in the right part of the country. That's actually, right. my, my wife and I moved out to uh, Colorado for three years and really enjoyed it out there too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I go winter's my favorite. Fall is my second favorite. Then summer and then spring because I get horrible allergies in the spring. And that just, I'm so sorry. That, that ruins everything. <laughs> well, the, uh, well, I'll tell you what. I, I just. I'm a fan of seeing the sun. Yeah. And, and that this, nice this low time angle. Of year in, yeah. This time of year in the Great Lakes region, uh, we get more sun. And a lot of times during the year, we don't get much sun. So this, this is a wonderful time Great. to see the sun. Yeah. And you get that, that nice low angle. It stays nice and golden yeah. for a long time. Those long shadows. Yeah. I love it. This is great. <laughs> this is great. I, I, um, I got to tell you a quick story that you'll probably yeah, go for appreciate. It. it was this time of year. It was in October, and we had a gas leak at our school. So everybody has to go outside, you know, and, and like the administrators were really caught by surprise. Everybody was caught by surprise. Yeah, sure. So we're standing out there on the baseball field, and I had a really funny student, and he walked up to me, and he said, you know, uh, I've just noticed that the teachers in our building look a lot better in unnatural light. <laughs> <laughs> So like he, you got to see all the nooks and crannies out there, man. And he pointed that out to me, and I thought, oh, I'm going to remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things that you write down in that journal and come back on a dark day and just you don't, you don't laugh have to at it. man. So this time of year, there's no hiding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, this has been uh, great so far. Obviously, we, we spent some time chatting before hit record, and uh, yeah. this is just a great start so far. So um, I always like to start at the beginning, which is just everyone's schooling experience. So sure. uh, why don't you take us back? You know, what were um, some of your highlights coming through the K-12 system? Uh, where, did you, where did you grow up? Uh, what were some of your favorite teachers, et cetera? Just sure. tell us where you came from. I grew up... Um in New Concord, Ohio, which is a small town in southeastern Ohio. And if you've been to Ohio before and it seems pretty flat to you, well, that part of Ohio is not. It, it's very hilly and, and, and bucolic, but it's also somewhat depressed economically and has been for, for, for quite some time. Um, I grew up in this small town in southeastern Ohio because my dad was a professor at Muskingum University. And that's where I went to school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here I am, this professor's uh, kid, but I was, I was really ornery growing up. And I, and I, <laughs> I just didn't, just, just, just was a bit on the uh, rebellious side. And so sure. didn't do what I was supposed to do a lot of the time. You know, did, didn't like, you know, work real hard for my grades. I, I, I looked at um, middle school and high school as kind of a social opportunity. As opposed to an academic <laughs> necessity, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was I was friendly. I, I really enjoyed my teachers, even if I didn't do well in their class, and I had lots of friends. But right around my junior year of, of high school, I thought, you know, this is getting serious. I'm getting older. I need to start applying <laughs> myself, and and so then my senior year, I did okay. And uh, because my father was a professor at Muskingum University, <laughs> he kind of pulled some strings and got me in there. And once I got to college, I, I don't know what clicked, but I just, I just became a very good student and graduated with honors. And, but, but even when I was a senior at Muskingum University at the age of 22, I still really didn't think I'd become a teacher. 
Isn't that yeah. odd? I mean, I, I didn't become a teacher. I, I, I left Muskingum uh, in, the, in the spring of 1983 and worked uh, just, just in a warehouse for a few months until I figured out what, what I was going to do with my life. And for the first time, Jonathan, in my uh, existence since being four years old, it was September and I was not in school. Right. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> So I decided I would go back to school. I went to Ohio State University. I decided I would explore a master's degree in history, which I did. And in the process, totally on a lark, I thought I'm gonna get my teaching certificate. Uh, just maybe teach a couple years, teach some high school, and then maybe do something more grown up. And uh, once I got in the classroom, I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. This is a great lifestyle. This is a lot of fun. I, I have a natural inclination for this. I really enjoy my students. I, I love being around them. And, um, you know, that, that turned into 34 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't think that that's an unheard of, uh, trajectory either that, you know, students yeah. struggle through high school when you're learning stuff that, you know, you're not super interested in or whatever, but then you get yeah. to go to college and you get to focus in on something that, uh, piques your interest a little bit more and, and seem to do better. I don't think that's a uh, isolated story. I think a lot of kids probably have that. And, and one thing that's a tremendous advantage to me, uh, growing up the way I did, um, well, I have to give my parents a lot of credit because they did not try to force anything. They were pretty much, hey, look, you know, you're going to make your own bed, bud. You know, <laughs> if you want to go this route, you go this route. And that was probably the best strategy for, for raising me. Yeah. I'm that kind of like self-realization. Okay, I have to I have to change gears. But one thing I'll say that I really value is I get those kids that are like, you know, what what's the point of this, man? Start the wrong. Come on, you know, why do we have to learn this stuff? You know, I, I get that. I was one of those kids. Been there, so, done that. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's an advantage. It's finally paying off. Being a slacker yeah. is finally paying off. <laughs> <laughs> and your ability to relate to your students. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, coming out of, uh, out of college, uh, I actually, I spent, uh, all of, I lasted five weeks in a, in a warehouse job. <laughs> That's all I could do. Right. I mean, I, yeah. uh, if, if any, nobody or most people probably listening to this have never stepped foot in a warehouse, but mm -hmm. I don't know if it was for the same for you. I, I sat on a headset all day and I talked into a headset and that was, uh, the, I, you know, you didn't have any sort of uh, contact with other people. You yeah. had maybe your 30 minute lunch break where you sat around and, yeah. you know, you heard all the negatives about everybody else's life. And then you went back on the headset for another four hours. And I just said, that's ah, not me. So it's then awful. I jumped into yeah. a, uh, I, that was, uh, for a, uh, local grocer in our area. And I ended up jumping over to be a cashier at, at a location that was closer, uh, for five or eight, $6 less an hour, but <laughs> at least yeah. I was around people. You just got to talk to people. Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, you went to the Ohio State University. That's right. Yeah. It's the the only school in the country that is has such a fascination with the word "the." I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether it's insecurity or arrogance or a combination of both. I, I don't know what it as, is, man. As a Penn State fan, I'm going to go with arrogance. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> Overstated arrogance. I'll tell you one thing. It is probably similar to Penn State. It is a massive institution. It's, it's massive. huge. It's yeah. huge. As probably a, probably a cult-like following as well, just like Penn State. <laughs> What's funny about these schools, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll cheer for the Buckeyes, you know, that's, that's my school, you know, go, go Bucks, all sure. that stuff. But it's helpful that they win. 
some of the most rabid fans don't really have any connection to the school whatsoever. It's true. It's true. (laughs) You know, it's funny you say that because I I didn't go to Penn state either. I just, both of my parents were graduates. So I I grew up in the, in the Penn state world. Uh Um, But yeah, (laughs) good stuff. So yeah. As a band director, you're, you're band director, right? I I am not, I'm a elementary uh, K five, K five music, but yeah, all same world. You have to appreciate the Ohio state marching band. Oh my heavens. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, if you haven't seen any of the videos of the Ohio State, they've done everything yeah. from Thriller, where they have Michael Jackson actually moonwalking on the field, to yeah. I saw Jurassic Park, they had a T-Rex walking across. They do yes. they have some amazing drill. Yeah, definitely go and, check and, that and out. And when you and you go to see Ohio State play football, and uh, when that band comes out uh, at the beginning, right before the game starts, it is, it is, it'll send chills up your spine, even if you're from the other team. There, there's something. So I got to uh, show a little bit of my pride too, because I graduated with Westchester University, which is outside of Philadelphia here. And we yeah. are a D2 school, Yeah. but uh, the Westchester University band just won uh, the national best band in the country award. And it's the first time a division oh, school program has won that award. So I got to pat my golden Rams on the back right there. <laughs> Perfect, man. Beautiful. <laughs> awesome. All right. So uh, getting out of Ohio State with your master's and your teaching certificate. Yeah. Um, you just hop into the world of teaching it, and obviously you fall in love with it. And uh, what do you think it was about that first year that hooked you? Wow, that's a good question. I, I, I think I have a good answer for it. There's just certain times when something feels right, when something feels natural, when something, uh, when, when you are doing something like creating a piece of artwork or whatever, when time does not exist. When you look up and see that a lot of time has passed and you weren't aware of it. Now, I can't tell you that every day was like that. I can't Certainly, tell you every, yeah. every period was like that. But there were enough of those moments for me to realize that I had an inclination for this. I, and I'm saying that in all humility. It, it was something that fit me, fit my personality, uh, allowed me to be creative, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed my students. I, I looked at them as family. I looked at them as friends. I, I was anxious to share my weekend with them. I was anxious to hear about theirs. Um, those are the things that you want in, yeah. in, a, in a working situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, uh, like you said, it's, it's you, you almost live for, you know, you go for that, you go to work for a whole week. And if you just have that, 30 second connection with one kid somehow mm-hmm. that makes your whole week mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah i love that but with with uh you know obviously the numbers of first year teachers that that first year uh first yeah. five years or so the the dropout rate of of teachers is pretty intense so yeah that's um, a, that's a shame it, i i think sometimes they just need to give it more of a chance yeah and I, i've said it on the podcast before but my principal my first year basically she said i have one job for you this year Come uh-huh. back next year. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful because sometimes, sometimes administrators are very hard on first-year teachers, and it's stressful enough. You know, I mean, it, it's really a hard to be a first-year teacher. You're you're just trying to stay one step ahead. You're trying to plan. You're trying yeah. to figure. And, and I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I, I look back to that first year I was I was teaching. I, I don't know how my kids learned anything. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I look back and think, oh my gosh, what a train wreck. But apparently, uh, I'm being a little harsh because you know 
my administration students were, were positive about it. But I look back on that and think, oh my gosh, how did I do that? And then the next year, my second year, it was like so much easier. Oh my goodness. In night and day. Yeah. So much easier. And it's not just that you've taught that it's just that you've been there. Yeah. And you know how to start the school year now and you know <laughs> how to create those relationships. Maybe not perfectly, but obviously better yeah. than better than the first time. Just like it's anything so you do. Easier. The yeah, more you do so something, the easier it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. So uh as, so remind me, you taught uh high school um social studies, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I guess what makes teaching worth it other than uh, that's such a generic question that everybody knows how to answer but i mean uh, it for for being able to stick in it with you know uh how many years was it that you were in the 34 classroom? man 34, 34 years yeah 34 and so so i gotta add my two now in, in college so it's 36 this is my 36th year yeah yeah so I, I mean it takes something more than um you know dedication to the job to yeah. i feel like to to bring you back over and over and over again right um so what was it like each each year obviously you're trying to get better. So I guess yeah. what were some of the things that you felt you did good to continue your trajectory, um, you know, improving your craft? Good question. And, and I'll, I'll say that I'm, I'm better now than I was maybe 20 years ago. And I don't know why that's the case. I, I think when I was, you know, in my forties, you know, my thirties and forties, you've kind of done it for a while and you feel like you kind of have it down. You, know, you you kind of know what what the scoop is, and then I remember um, we were at a faculty meeting one time, and this was not that long ago, maybe a decade ago or so, and there was a young woman. Uh, I'm a grandfather, you know. I, I've, I've got grandkids. Uh, there there was a young woman in there, and she was talking about a platform, a technology platform that I knew nothing about, and um, you know, generally, well, not generally. Some some older teachers are not all that open to hearing about some young person coming out of college that's going to set the world on fire. And everybody's got to start doing it this way. They've, they've, they've seen that movie before. Sure, sure. But she's talking, and I'm thinking, this woman is it's interesting. Here's this here's this young person that's younger than one of my kids, and and she's saying some things that I really need to listen to. Made a big impact on me. I went up to her afterwards and I said, "Hey, that was great. Tell me some more. Show show me some more things. Give me some more ideas." That had a big impact on me. And once I became open to suggestions on how I could become a better teacher, even though I had a reputation for being a solid teacher, it was a big eureka moment and a very positive experience for me. Uh, I wouldn't have written books. If I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't be teaching at the college level. If I hadn't had that experience, it opened doors for me. So, in answer to your question, I, I I think that in in the early parts of my my teaching career, I was just kind of learning the ropes, and then I went through a phase where I think I was a pretty good teacher, but could have been much better. And then when I started to become open to doing things differently and learning from people younger than me, that's when I think I, I improved a lot. Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, just the, the, if you look at the the course of just learning in general, right. You, you go from something that uh, you, at some point you get to what you think is the ability that you've mastered the skill. 
right? Mm -hmm. I know how to, to deliver this information. I know how right. to get the kids to absorb the information. I know how to do X, Y, and Z. But obviously the world is changing, right? So if you stick with the same tools that you've done over and over and over again, at some point they're not going to be as effective simply because the world changes over time. It right? does. Mm -hmm. So, and I forget where I've heard the, the quote, but it's in nature, there is only growth and decay. Yeah, that's right. Right. You're right. There is, there is no yeah. staying still. Yeah, you're and right. So uh, I, I've, I've embraced that a little bit, uh, at least I hope I have, that yeah. if you're not growing, if you're not pushing yourself to, to be better next year than you were last year, mm -hmm. then by, by consequence, you are now decaying as a professional, as a, as a teacher. I love that. I have conducted some professional development in my day. And um, I did one in Kentucky and it was great people, great folks. And it was on some tech platforms you can use to engage students. And I could tell there was one young, younger guy, like maybe 30 or so in the back and he was kind of struggling with stuff and he was really nice. And I went back and I was just shooting the bull with him. And he goes, you know, tell you what, the way I was taught is the way I teach. And How it was, true is that for everyone, huh? And it was good enough for me. And uh, I, I don't see why we always have to do all this new stuff. And I was like, well, you know, you don't have to. I mean, it's just, these are ideas you can utilize them or, or you can't. But I walked away from that thinking, you know, this guy's not that old and he has that attitude now. And that's really going to, that's going to be a blight to him as he ages, yeah. you know? So, and that's not an unusual statement. I imagine you've heard teachers say that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just that notion of, yeah, you teach how you were taught and that mm -hmm. it, I think that makes a lot of sense. Just, you know, this is, instead of being told, this is how you should teach, you have internalized 12, 13, if yeah. you include college, you know, 17 years of, a certain way of being taught, you know? So to, to shift your, your brain and get out of that rut um, can be very difficult, especially if, you know, there are some new things that you have never experienced before and you don't feel comfortable with. Um, it, yeah, it can definitely. And I like what you said though. I, I like what you said about, you know, you're either going to decay or you're going to evolve and I'll take the evolution part. <laughs> you hope. Yeah. But, but you know, what's crazy is, um, I'm teaching an assessment class right now to college mm -hmm. students. And we deal with uh, creating assessments, formative assessments, progress monitoring, all these things. Teaching this class has told me that I could have done things a lot better when I was in the classroom. <laughs> and yeah. and I'm, I'm upfront about that. I said, boy, I wish I would have known some of the stuff that we're exploring in here. I would have done a better job in my class. Uh, when I was teaching high school social studies, I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely the right mindset to take, yeah. right disposition to, uh, sure. to take definitely. Yeah. Great. Well, um, I love how this, this transition, because you mentioned that you had this experience with this younger teacher coming in and introducing something new and yeah. that kind of, um, kicked you in the butt a little bit, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, sure. Got you kind of re rethinking about your own teaching and, and led you down to the, this route of being a, a published author now, which yeah. is super exciting. And, uh, I read somewhere that you have been coined the, the king of engagement. <laughs> <You agree with> <laughs> <that>? <laughs> 
Wow. I'm not sure where that came from, but I'll take it. <laughs> so you, you've got four books out now. Yeah. And, uh, recently, uh, just this year, you've got another one that's coming out that we'll touch on at the end of the episode here. Yeah. But uh, your first first book that you wrote, Hacking Engagement, right? This yeah, is 50... that, was, that was second. That was second. Oh, that was second. What was your first one? It was uh, You've Got to Connect. You've Got to Connect. All right. My 2014, yeah. yeah. There you go. So yeah, so you okay? Then let's let's step back there. So you've got to sure. connect. Um, I I haven't read the book, but I've I've no. read synopsis of it, and I mean the it seems like the title says it all, right? It's it's the the foundation of building mm-hmm. uh, successful students starts with that relationship, right? You'll, so I'm going to predict that you're going to love the story of why that book was written. I, that's what that was where I was going. So take okay. it away. I had a student teacher, and this guy was just a wonderful young man. And you probably remember having some student teachers in social studies in high school. Do you remember that? Not, I can't remember those. Well, I'm darn not it. I'm not sure if I had any. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not sure you'd say yes. Well, there, there's like an archetype. It's like, okay. a, it's like right. a young young guy that wants to coach. That's, that's the, that's the, yeah. that's the student teacher. My, my, my high school social studies teacher was a football coach. Yep. There you go. So this guy comes into my class and he is a football player at Otterbein University, which is in Northeastern Columbus. And he's like this really studly, good looking guy. And he comes walking in here into my class and like automatically all the male athletes in class were like, oh, cool, man. He, he looks awesome. You know, the girls in class were like, whoa, man, this is a massive <laughs> upgrade from Mr. Sturdivant, man. <laughs> so like everybody, everybody is like stoked about this young man. But then there's some, there's a handful of students in the back who are like, another jock social studies teacher. Hallelujah. You know, here we go yeah. again. Yep. So, so like I pulled him aside pretty early on. And I said, look, man, you know, I can teach you the pedagogy. We can go through lesson plans. We can figure all that stuff out. I said, the challenging part is for you to bond with those kids that are inclined to not really give you a chance. Yeah. So he was a really good teacher and a really cool young man. He said, that sounds fantastic. And so we went to work uh, having him do things, do things that have nothing to do with his personality, do, do like actions that are going to help him bond with these folks. So uh, a couple of weeks later, his professor comes in to observe him, which, you know, is really nerve wracking as a student teacher. Sure. Yeah. Been there, done that. He does a great job. She comes up afterwards and was like, wow, this is a really great culture in this classroom. This is a really great atmosphere in this classroom. How did you you create this? And I'm like, I I have no idea. You know, I don't have have any idea on how to answer your question. You know, I just came in there as kind of myself and, you know, did, did certain things and it seemed to work. But that question was a very rational question. And I was like, why in the heck couldn't I answer that question? And so I went to Otterbein. I needed to do some credit work to get recertified. And I said, let me do an independent study, you know, answering that question. And that's where the book comes from. And the whole point of it is, you know, yes, personality is obviously important, but there's things that you can do that will help you bond with students. And you need to do those things, regardless of your personality. Yeah. And I think to, to be devil's advocate, I think sometimes first year teachers spend too much effort trying to make those connections. And yeah. sometimes uh, if you become a friend too quickly, oh yeah, 
you know, then, then you're digging yourself out of that hole for Mm -hmm. the rest of the year. And, you know, so how would you find that balance you think between holding students accountable and making that connection with them? That's a really good question. I I think you have to uh, look at the learning environment in your classroom. And if it's a productive learning environment, then you haven't gone too far on the front side. You know, I, I, I've had, I've had classes before where, you know, I mean, these, these kids were, these kids were like my kids. I mean, they were like my children, but it was like, okay, we have to be productive. You know, we're, we're not very productive right now. And if you have a hard time making that, that uh, shift, then you are in need of adjustment and it's tough to adjust. I mean, once you become like, once you start to lose a class, it's hard to get them back. Yeah. But, you almost need a, a new, a completely new activity. Yeah. To, but let me, but let me tell you, Jonathan, uh, a cliche that was often said when I started teaching, and it's just total BS. It's like, <laughs> uh, don't let them see you smile till Thanksgiving. I've heard it's that like, too, yeah. If they don't see you smile till Thanksgiving, you're an ass. You know? <laughs> you're, like a, you're like a monster. Really? Yeah. So like... Uh, and, you know, I can think back to my first year of teaching and I had some classes like the last class of the day just just wore me out. And that was that was a class that I look back on that I did not have great classroom management in. But I did have some good relationships in that class. So that would be an example of where, you know, first year teacher might have focused a little bit too much on the relationships. But to be honest with you, I was just wore out, man. Last period of the day, first year, I, I was done. Yeah, I, I was just freaking done. I don't know if it was that so much as I was just exhausted. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, if I could go back and and say first year teacher John, what do you need to change? Yeah. It was don't be friend too quickly. But I mean, you get the yeah. that that idea of don't let them see you smile till Thanksgiving. There's obviously there's some truth rooted in that statement. It's just an overstatement. Yeah, I mean, the theory is it's easier to get uh, looser than it is to get. Yes. right. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, just if you are able to, I think what kids need the most is just structure, right? So if you set if you set the guidelines at the beginning of the year and you stick to your guns on the expectations, yeah, you can be flexible within. Hey, like you're finished with that? Okay, let me let me shoot the breeze with you for how was your weekend for you know two minutes, you know. But and you can listen. You can be an incredibly approachable person and still be a taskmaster. Sure. Yeah. There, there's no reason why you can't be a, a friendly, kind, friendly, kind person. There, there's no reason why you can't be that. There isn't. <laughs> <laughs> there's no reason. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I love just that focus and, and like you said, the, where the, where it came from, uh, where wow. the premise for that book came from is great. So, so you move from that then into, uh, you're now your 50 tips and tools, I think is what it's yeah, as. Right. 50 tips and tools for engagement. So um, out of that book, would sure. you say that there's one or two that you think would apply very nicely to current COVID life? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, it sold very well during this COVID time. I wrote that in 2016. And a lot of it, a lot of it can be done virtually. A lot of it can be done virtually. and. Um, let me tell you quickly, just, just quickly, the, yeah. the story behind that book. I mean, I, I wrote a book. Uh, you've got to connect. I was like, hallelujah, I wrote a book. You know, I never, <laughs> I was like, that's one thing I can say I didn't write. 
I said, I wrote a book. Yeah. I mean, we had a little party at my house and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, it's over. I wrote a book. <laughs> Did something I never thought I'd do. And then uh, I was thinking, okay, I'm nobody. I'm just some guy in Southeastern Ohio. Who, who's going to buy my book? So I thought I would get on a couple podcasts. And so like I, I wrote some podcast hosts and said, would you consider having me on a get, as a guest? And, you know, a lot of them were like, sure, what the heck? You know, I, I'm looking for interesting people to talk to. And so uh, there was a publisher in Cleveland from Times 10 publication who heard my podcast once and contacted me and said, would you write this book on engagement? So that one was not my idea. Huh. Uh, a publisher came to me and said, I want you to write this book on engagement. And that's where, uh, that's where that, that whole thing came from. And, and, and our, our original idea was I would write 100, but I, I wrote 100 and he goes, this, this is too big for, yeah. for, for one book. He goes, do two of them. And that's why I have two books on engagement. Yeah, you've got the 50 and then uh, the 50, 50 more. 50 again. I think that's right. 50, that's yeah, right. Hack, hacking engagement again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love it sounds, that. sounds like I didn't. I actually wrote them at the same time. I just, I just wrote that's so funny. much. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 um, like, uh, and that's a book I'm really proud of. And, and here's why I love the format of that book because each of the, each of the hacks is only 600 words. So you pick it up, you read it. It's nonlinear. You know, you just flip through. I don't want to do that one. Oh, I want to do this one. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of what people want to read these days. I, I mean, it, our, uh, our, our focus has gotten so narrow that, you know, it John, to sit I, down and to read a book from cover to cover uh, takes so much energy these days. I want to tell you, man, I, I mean, I, I hate to confess this. I mean, I, I have, <laughs> I've always got a book going, but generally it's just a book to put me to sleep at night. And generally it's, I just read a few pages on my Kindle and it takes me a long time to get through a book anymore. Yeah. I, I, don't, know what, I don't know what it is, man. It's just like, it, I, I, don't, just, I don't think I'm alone. No, it's, it's social media hitting all those, uh, um, what's the, uh, oh goodness. I was reading a book about this. Um, the <laughs> chemical in your brain that, uh, yeah. triggers every time. Dopamine. You, I don't know. Dopamine. Yes. Yeah. I was reading a book about dopamine. Fantastic book. I'll have to have that author on sometime, but yeah. so these, these 50, uh, 50 engagement activities and then 50 again. Yeah. Um, can you just walk us through maybe three of your favorite, um, just engagement activities that, uh, teachers can just turn around and use tomorrow. Okay. Here's one that I'm going to give you that I, I just think is, is magnificent. It is Voxer. Voxer. Voxer is an app that's on your phone. Now, some people, have you used Remind? Have I used it? The Remind no. app? Okay. No. Here's the thing that old folks don't get about young folks. <laughs> young folks hate email. It's, it's like, it's like for old people, <laughs> but they like their phones. No, they love their phones. Yes, they do. So uh, once they get this boxer app, it's just like a walkie talkie. It is, you hit, hit a button, you, you point out a kid's name and you just say something to them. And then it's on demand for them to uh, consume this thing. And they hit a button and talk right back to you. If you want to message the entire class, you message the entire class. Hmm. And what I find, Jonathan, is I can talk a heck of a lot faster than I can type or text. Sure. You sure. can also send links. You can also send images. You can send whatever you want through this, this app. 
Now, one thing that's really different about college is when you're in high school, when you're teaching in high school or middle school or elementary school, the principal comes in and sits there and evaluates you. Mm-hmm. When you were in college, there is no principal that the comes students in. Students do it. Students evaluate you. So last year, like everybody, you know, we got, we, we were done in March, you know, and then for the rest of the year, we're online. Yep. And, and everybody was like, what the hell do I do? You know, everybody was getting tired of it, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So then what happens is I get my evaluations at the end of the year and they're talking about Voxer. All the students are talking about Voxer in the evaluation. I felt like you were so accessible. I felt like I knew you better than any professor that I've had. I felt like I knew you better on the online situation than I did when we were face-to-face in class. Mm. Now, the downside is you become like on call all the time. Sure. But as far as like a tool to use in this virtual setting, I mean, I just don't think you can beat it, man. Okay. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. So, so there's one, I'm going to give you one more. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, long. go for it. <laughs> uh, the, the other one is uh, you talk about like how you have to adapt with the times. When I was in college in history class, I would sit there and the professor would lecture for 50 minutes and we'd get up and get out the door. And then I started teaching history and I thought, you know, that's a very passive way to learn anything. Sure. I mean, and if the professor was a boring professor, and there were a number of them, it was hard to stay awake. <laughs> it was hard to it was hard to stay with it. Your mind was going. And I was thinking, I mean, I can just read this stuff, man. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. So I made the decision that I wanted to have a lot more interactive presentations and keep my presentations short, like a TED talk. You know, no more than about ten minutes. But I mean, there's a many many of these applications out there right now. There's like Nearpod, yep. uh, and, and there's Pear Deck. So the one I focus on is Pear Deck because Pear Deck turns your presentation into a collaboration with your students. You put up yeah. prompts, they respond to you. It's all visible and you monopolize their screen, which I think is really important. Yeah. So if you say, okay, I want you guys to go to this link. They don't have to type in the link. You just put the link right in the Pear Deck and they just touch their, their Chromebook or whatever, mm-hmm. sh- shoots them right there. So those are two that have made presentations, incredibly engaging and led to a lot of collaboration with my students. And one of the things I'll, I'll say about Voxer is once you create a Voxer group, your students can collaborate with one another inside that, that group as well. Yeah. So those Very are just cool. two yeah. things uh, that, that, you know, like that come to mind immediately about yeah. the situation we're in right now. And yeah, and then you can use that uh, Pear Deck or Nearpod or whatever in a virtual presentation as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I know Pear Deck uh, has an add-on for Google Slides too. So if you're using Google Slides, there's That's just right. a little, little add-on that. Yeah. I've yeah. used, I haven't used Pear Deck a whole lot. I have it downloaded. I just haven't dove, dove into it yeah. yet. But yeah, Nearpod, uh, Seesaw, all of these uh, programs that, you know, existed, but have a shot into the the limelight um, with with everything that's going on. So, um, and, and, and one that I'll say that, you know, sometimes you look back and you think, Oh, wow. Now I found something better. Uh, there were, there's a couple of those in the book. And, and one I had was, you know, I think most people have done Kahoot and, yep. and I've done, you know, love Kahoot, blah, blah, blah. But with Kahoot, you know, you, you kind of get some kids to kind of dominate and you have some oh, yeah, other sure. kids, yeah. you have some other kids that kind of guess and they don't care. Yep. So I started using Quizlet live. I've, I, that's another one that I need to start looking into. I've heard a lot it, of good it, stuff about it's it. It's so much better, man. And and so I talked about Kahoot in the book. So if you get the book, just, just, there you go. Just write uh, Quizlet live on the Kahoot. 
uh, one that uh, my kids have really loved, which I credit my fifth grade team at my school to introducing it. But have, have you heard of GimKit? No, I haven't. So that is one that is actually uh, developed from a high school student. I'm sure he, he had connections somewhere to get the software developed, yeah. but um, yeah, it's great, uh, Gim, Gim kit is a, is a great one. It's basically, right, you can, you can put in some flashcards and, uh, but what they do is they'll go over the same flashcards multiple times and they can earn points and then they can sell the points and get power-ups and all this good stuff. They turn it into a great little game. So yeah, yeah, definitely check out Gim kit. All right. Well, then moving on to uh, your l- most recent book, which is kind of the mm-hmm. reason I, I invited you on sure. here. Um, your most recent book, Teaching in Magenta. Right. Where did that color come from? <laughs> ah, beautiful. Great question. <laughs> so Why magenta. So I'm so I'm always been a color guy. You know, I just love color. You know, I just love it. And so I'm looking for uh, a way to. Well, let me let me back up just a hair. And and this is why the episode that I listened to on your podcast really was meaningful to me. A number of years ago, my daughter-in-law got me a book called How to Walk by, by the Zen mm-hmm. Buddhist master, Thich yeah. Nhat Hanh. So you're talking about, your last guest was talking about walking. Yeah. And yeah. so this, this was just this book. And it was a short book. It was a very short book. And each page was just like about 100 words on how to walk mindfully, just like a directive. So she gave me this book and I thought it was kind of interesting, but I did, it didn't make a huge impression. So I just kind of put it off to the side. And then a couple months later, I saw it and picked it up and read like a page. And it was talking about feeling every part of your foot when you walk. So the heel, you know, the arch, the ball, the toes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's interesting so i was walking around in school that day like so slow and like people were, <laughs> really being conscious what, about what your you feet? doing man so i would tell them and i thought that was a lot of fun so so the next the next day it was something like uh smell smell while you walk notice the smells while you walk so mm. i was going around sniffing 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 and you know people are like what are you doing you know so i would tell them so i really thought that that was interesting and i thought wouldn't it be neat to write a book like this for teachers? Yeah. But, you know, like how to teach didn't cut it. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right. None of the things that I was thinking about. So I thought I've always been a fan of color and I've always liked the color magenta. Believe it or not, Muskingum university's colors are black and magenta, which takes some kidding. That takes some chutzpah. (laughs) It's kind of like a mauvey pink color. Right. Yeah. I, the, the only reason I've ever heard of that color was, before was because of Blue's Clues. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Blue's Clues. Dog. Magenta. Yeah. So then like, you know, I, I, just on a lark, I looked up magenta and magenta has like all these amazing qualities about it. So uh, compassion, optimism, balance, adaptability, and contentment. Those were like four like qualities of magenta that stuck out. And I said, well, geez, I can write like I can make those like the chapters of the book. Yeah. And just, which you did, (laughs) which I did. And just write like a, like a 100 word directive for the day. Uh, The book that I like so much, Thich Nhat Hans, how to walk was, was illustrated, had a lot of sketches in there. So I got a high school kid who's a budding artist, had her just make some sketches. And uh, it, it was the, it's the perfect book for COVID. Isn't it? Yeah. Cause it's 16,000 words. That's nothing. 
It sounds like a lot, but yeah. In, in like, terms like of... typical books, 50 some thousand words. And so it's and only 16,000 words. And then like it's, it's 100 paths that you can have this wonderful day. And, and it's all about kind of like my book uh, earlier on uh, you've got to connect. It's all about how you can create a magnificent day. And uh, one thing that I'm a fan of is I'm, I'm a fan of the growth mindset. You know, I'm, yep, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the idea that, that you have a lot more in your control than, than you think. And so when I retired, when I decided to retire, I, I knew that I needed to write this book. I, yeah. I knew I needed to write it. And I, and I wrote it in a month. It just, just flew, off the, flew off my fingertips, man. That's amazing. Yeah, very cool. So it is the title of it is Teaching in Magenta, 100 Paths to Joy and Well-Being, well-being for You and Your Students. And you do go through those, those, uh, those um, prompts, the compassion, optimism, balance, adaptability, and contentment. So uh, just as a, as a precursor to uh, sending people out to go look at this book, can you yeah. give us maybe your, your top three sure. uh, things uh, that you wrote out of this book that um, really spoke to you and you think will sp speak to people, especially now that we are yeah. dealing with so and, much and, stress and whatnot. In, in and they're short that. enough that I'll, I'll just go ahead and read them and talk about oh, Perfect. I love it. Yeah. And uh, I, I imagine a lot of your audience is a Brene Brown fan. I mean, she is just a fantastic yeah. Ted, Ted talker, I should say. Yep. And I, I use her. Fantastic video. author. Yeah. I use her videos in my intro to education class. The mm -hmm. students are very impressed with her. It, her. Her message resonates with them. And believe it or not, I'm going to go with uh, path number one, which Brene Brown would put her stamp of approval on. And it's, called, <laughs> it's called apologize. Apologies are powerful, but how often do you apologize to students? Perhaps you got frustrated yesterday and raised your voice in a kid's direction. Or you were too aggressive with a reprimand. The target of your wrath may have only partially inspired your emotions in that moment. You may have been mad at your spouse or a colleague, or you are harboring frustration from a, the previous period's behavior. Today, apologize to any kid who absorbed your outburst. You could pull them aside in the hall before they enter class, or, and this takes courage, and Brene Brown would say vulnerability, apologize to them in front of class. Maria, I came on too strong at you yesterday. I'm sorry. I care about you. I shouldn't have done that. That simple act has served me so well in my career. It has broken down barriers between students who are uh, at odds with me. Uh, just that simple act of an adult in a position of authority saying, you know, I, I, I'm sorry I did that. Now, some people might look at that as weakness. That's crap, man. That ain't weakness. That's courage, man. And uh, we, we have some people in politics that need to say, I'm sorry. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> just, just, just say, I'm sorry, man. I mean, just, just say it. Just, it. Yeah. just say it. It's obvious. Yeah. Everyone needs to know you need to do it. Just do it, man. So I, I think that uh, you as a teacher, if you, uh, if you are willing to say, I'm sorry, if you are willing to apologize to a kid, because come on, man, if you're doing this job long enough, you're going to snap at a kid. Absolutely. It's going to be something silly that you're mad about something else and you get frustrated with this kid and you're going to snap at him. You know, you need to make that right. Yeah. Fantastic. It'll be good. So. It'll be good. Good for them. Good for you, man. Yeah. Very, very. Yes. 
I, I, that's all I can say is yes, I 100% <laughs> agree with that. That's fantastic. And, uh, and that's just number one. And there are 99 others. And yeah. like you said, they're, they're bite-sized pieces. You, you devour them really quickly and you consume them really quickly. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to get my hands on a copy and start reading through them. Sure. Uh, Cause you know, like you said, there, there's just those, those qualities, the, the compassion, optimism, balance, adaptability, and contentment, I mean, are just so needed, not just for teachers, but for students. And if you can be the teacher that models those, uh, those traits, uh, yeah, how much better point. are your students going to be for it? And that's how much better are you going to be for it? That's a good point. And, 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 you know, um, the one thing I'll say is the thing I love so much about Thick Not Han's book was I just read a page a day. Mm-hmm. I'm not into reading books right now. I, I, <laughs> I hate to confess that, but I'm not. And so you buy this book and you, you get this book, you're going to read a page in about a minute and it can give you an idea on how you're going to have a great day. Now you might not utilize all of them. You might not read all of them, but I'm going to wager that if you try to implement these ideas in your day that you're going to have a great semester. That's you're fantastic. You're going to come by, you're going to, at the end of the semester, you're going to be, wow, I feel better about my job than I did at the end of the semester. Boy, if if there's anything that you want, hopefully it's that you feel better about your job. Yeah. You're happier, man. Come on. Short life. (laughs) <laughs> awesome. So we will, we will have a link to that book and, and all of your books uh, on our show notes page. So uh, if anybody wants to go check those out, uh, we will have them there. So uh, yeah. Wow. This has been so fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on quick uh, before we head out to our exit ticket questions? No, it's just, it's just, well, yes, I guess it is. I mean, oh. <laughs> you would be amazed at what, I mean, like I'm 59 years old. I can't believe I'm that old. I, I cannot fathom that I am that old. Now, sometimes I look in you the mirror. You look great. <laughs> well, you ain't seeing much of me, man. <laughs> but like, you know, but like, you know there's, there's times when I think, and I don't really feel that old. I mean, how, how can I be that old? And that's how life is. I mean, I mean, like I can remember being 37 years old and teaching high school thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this, you know, for 20 more years. And it goes like that. I mean, it, it's just gone. It, it just flies by. So uh, uh, that, that's, that's all I wanted to say. I mean, it is a yeah, fast just, life. It's a fast career. And so, you know, don't wish your life away. Enjoy it while, you, while you're there. I mean, work to become like a better teacher that, that enjoys their job, that loves their job. And, and that, that's my advice, man. I love it. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. So then we come to the final part of our episode, our exit ticket questions. These are the same four questions that I ask everyone. And the first one is, do you have a book that you want to recommend teachers to go read other than your own? (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's not a book that many people will have an interest in reading, but it is the idea that the book inspired in me that, that hopefully will make an impact. I was uh, teaching economics. And this was one class that they just said, we've got to have somebody to teach economics. Can you teach economics? Like, gosh, I've had one class in college. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I can. So I was going through this stuff and it was, it was confusing and, and complicated and, and boring, you know, and, and so I was struggling some. And there was a part in the unit on um, wealth creation, on investing, on, on, on personal, I think it was financial literacy. Mm-hmm. So I heard about this book 
that was written in the 1920s called The Richest Man in Babylon. I've you heard know, of it. Yeah. yeah. I have not read it, but I've, I've it, heard. It's like, it's like 140 pages long. <laughs> it's and short, it, yeah. And it, it takes like the, the principles of wealth creation and places them in 500 BC to show that the principles of wealth creation that work then work now, they're universal, they're timeless. And it was just like yeah. these, these simplistic things, like save 10%, you know, and stuff. And it's written as a narrative, right? It's almost yeah. written as a story. Yeah. yeah it, it, and so like I read this and I thought, man, this is really awesome. So that taught me that one of our jobs, one of our primary jobs as educators is to take something complex and overwhelming and, and make it relevant and understanding. And, and that book brought that home to me more than any book I've ever read. It was not wow. written for, for teachers, but it had that impact on me. It turned me into a better teacher. Yeah, but it's got some lessons in there that, yeah, like you said, are, are uh, centuries, <laughs> millennia old. Highly relevant, highly relevant. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I haven't heard, I've heard of that book on, on other podcasts that I listen to, but it's pretty as a cheesy. teacher book, that's, I love it. That's great. It, 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 I mean, you don't read it like, Babylon. yeah, it's yeah. pretty cheesy. It's, it's just kind of <laughs> like a, but it's, it's, you know, sometimes those books have tremendous power. Sometimes they just, yeah, sometimes they just hit you when yeah. you needed to be hit by them. Yeah. And, and when you need to understand what the heck you're going to say tomorrow in class. <laughs> and they're done that too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question two is, uh, do you have a resource uh, that you think all teachers should go check out? Yeah, it's Jennifer Gonzalez called a pedagogy. She's a friend mm. of mine. Her, her stuff is outstanding. I've just listened to it. Yeah. A couple of yeah. her podcasts. I've been on her website. Yeah. Cult of pedagogy. Just, just um, outstanding. Good yeah, stuff, man. She does a great job. And I think but like, for instance, she's got this thing I'm teaching about rubrics here very soon. And she's got the uh, one point rubric, which I have not listened to. Uh, you know, I, I'm just fascinated. I'm going to dive right in. Good stuff, man. Yeah. I've, I have used versions of one point rubrics before and yeah. they're just, they're super easy to fill out because love it. Love it. We need to complete it or not. Yeah. yeah. And then students have the ability to go back and finish the stuff that isn't completed yet. Yeah. It makes so much sense. So that's mm -hmm. awesome. I'll, uh, if you know which episode you're talking about, I'll, I'll link that episode in our show notes too. So unfortunately I don't I'm right. going to go find it next week. That's perfect. Well, that's okay. You find it and then you uh, send it to me and okay. or maybe I'll go find it and just confirm yeah. it with you. We'll figure it out. We'll have it linked in the show notes. Question three is what one piece of advice do you want to share with teachers, particularly those who are just starting out their career? Oh man, you have to really, you have to really be patient with yourself. You know, just be kind to yourself. Believe me, that teacher that you see in your, in your school that you think has it all together, they were a first year teacher at one point. They probably mm -hmm. had a lot of the same struggles. Uh, don't get wound up about being them. Just, just, be patient with yourself and the second year will be so much easier. We talked about that earlier. Right. Yeah. I love it. Simple, straight to the point. Perfect. Yeah. All right. And then the last one is uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you, has any questions about your books or anything like that, yeah. they just want to touch base with you. Where should I send them? Well, I'm going to, I do this on podcasts and it's kind of annoying, but I spell my name with the NATO <laughs> alphabet because no one can spell my name. Okay. <laughs> so my, my Twitter thing is, uh, James Sturdivant, and this is the way you spell Sturdivant. S is in Sam, T is in Thomas, U is in uniform, R is in Romeo, T is in Thomas, E is in Echo, uh, V is in Victor, A is in Alpha, N is in November, and T is in Thomas. And I have learned to do that trying to make reservations over the telephone. <laughs> All I have to do is say, Do you have a friend named Ruth? 
<laughs> if you're going to their house, who's, whose house are you going to? Yeah, Ruth. Ruth's house. Yeah. There you perfect. go. Love it. And as all, yeah, like I said earlier, everything that we covered in this episode will be found on our show notes page. So yeah, James Sturdivant, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Jonathan, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, Monday afternoon, sometimes you're just kind of, yeah, but this has been a good Monday afternoon. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks. And there you go, man. I, I'm just so grateful for this podcast and the opportunity to uh, connect with and chat with people like James. And don't you just wish he was your high school history teacher? <laughs> it just seems like it would be such a fun class. Uh, once again, teaching in Magenta 100 Paths to Joy and Wellbeing for you and your students. Uh, available for purchase now. Go check out the show notes page um, for that link. Man, I, f- I feel like I keep coming back to the same thing uh, when I get to the end of these podcasts. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing because it kind of proves how important it is. But um, the number one thing that uh, keeps coming back as my nugget is just the importance of making those personal connections with your students, right? It's, um, well, I mean, it's, it's the title of James' first book, right? You've got to connect. Uh, and we all have, we all have these walls that we put up uh, when we're in, in uncomfortable situations, right? Um, maybe you hear something political that you don't agree with, or, um, you know, you, you go to buy a new car and you just get a bad feeling about the, the car sale. Man, the poor car salesman, they, they just get bad raps. But um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Those walls go up. Students have these walls too, right? They, they might manifest as misbehavior, um, silence, or, you know, a number of other behaviors. Um, but each time you make an effort to connect, each time you give a high five or compliment a t-shirt or talk about the game last night, discuss the latest video game, those walls that those students have, they start to come down. And when those walls come down, learning can take place, right? So uh, I would love to hear what uh, you got out of this episode, uh, if it's not the same thing as me. Um, so go to our Facebook page or go to our Twitter post uh, and leave a comment about something that you gained or better yet, share this episode with somebody and say, hey, here's what I gained out of this episode. I would love for you to listen to it. Um, as always, uh, go check out our show notes page, again, for the links to all of James' books, plus uh, everything else that we talked about. Uh, again, the link to our Facebook group, link to uh, the email newsletter, you know, all that good stuff. So um, I appreciate you being a listener of the show. And until next time, go teach. Thank you so much for listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more evidence-based strategies for improving your educational career, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can get the next episode as soon as it is released. If you think this information was beneficial and you think more teachers should hear it, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share this episode with a colleague, either through a text message, email, or social media. And last but not least, if you think more teachers need to hear more of what we are talking about, please go leave us a five-star rating and review on your platform of choice. And that will simply let the algorithm know that you are finding value in this content. And it will help boost our show to the top of the list when people search for education shows. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I will see you on the next episode of the Jabadoo Education Podcast.